For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. from the English Premier League that I want to talk about as well as game one of the World Series and the action to get into but first you know maybe you're looking to get into the action and if you are there's only one place to go and that's bet online bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe 50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, postseason baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's bet online where the game starts. And today we start with baseball and last night was game one of the World Series between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. Last Friday, The Astros finished off the American League series, defeating the Boston Red Sox. And at the end of last week's episode, me and Jake got into our um, predictions for who we think would win the ALCS. I said Boston. Jake said Houston. Well done, Jake. I was rooting for a Game 7 in both series, and the Red Sox lineup couldn't quite get it going. And to Houston's credit, they got to Nathan Eovaldi and ended up getting to their third World Series in the last five years. I didn't think there was anyone hotter in the postseason than the Red Sox, but the fire went out on Friday for the AL East powerhouse team, and truth be told, they had a pretty epic run. They beat the Yankees in that one-game wildcard game. They go on to face the Tampa Bay Rays, who had been dominant against them all season in the AL East. They handled them fairly easily, it seemed. And then to Houston, and the story leading into the series was about whose pitching would crack first, and while the Astros did get the better of Boston, the pitching staff did show a few cracks. Their biggest challenge going into this World Series will be their pitching, but more on that later. The Braves got the better of the Dodgers on Saturday night, Game 6. The Dodgers have had a wild ride this season, similar to the Red Sox. They made it all the way to the Championship Series after completing the wildcard game. They beat the Cardinals to get to the Division Series. And during the season, the Dodgers had the second-best winning record in Major League Baseball, only one game short of the San Francisco Giants, who the Dodgers had to face in the Division Series, and it was a classic series. Dodgers had their backs against the wall 2-1. They go out and win Game 4. They go to San Francisco. They win Game 5. It was unbelievable. Me and Jake talked about this in last week's episode. The Dodgers looked exhausted from their Giants series, and they had to get to Atlanta for Game 1 of the Championship Series, and they quickly realized the capabilities of this Braves team. Of course, they remember them only from last year, having faced them in the NLCS, and they had their backs against the wall again to them last year, 3-1, but the Dodgers did make it all the way through and win the World Series. It's 
a very different postseason. Of course, the COVID situation from last season, the bubble almost of the postseason, how the Dodgers played every single game at Arlington Park in Texas. It was just different, and this one was different. And even though we were in the same spot we were last year, down 3-1, we couldn't quite pull it together enough to force a Game 7. There have been a lot of performing bats in both the Braves and Dodgers lineup, and there were some really good arms in both of the bullpens. They were kind of a mirror to one another, the Dodgers and the Braves. Both have strong hitting, some good arms, keyword some, and a lot of big arms were injured going into the season for both teams as well. Dodgers had a lot of difficulty in the postseason putting up runs on the board in every game, and this ultimately led to their demise in the series. Just not able to get anything going on Saturday in Atlanta. And the Braves are also really good at counteracting any offense that Dodgers got going. LA puts up a run, Braves answers right back. Dodgers put up another run in the inning, and then the Braves put up three. And after those three runs came across in the bottom of the fourth on Saturday night, the game fell over. The series fell over. Braves charge the field. They're on to their first World Series since 1999, 22 years in the making. And the Braves have always been a force in the game always put together a good team, had, you know, almost a career's worth now out of Freddie Freeman, one of the best in the game, and they're finally on to the big series. And yes, I, I'm upset that my Dodgers didn't get through, but I'm also happy for the Braves, and I and I hope that they go out and win the title, to be honest. Dodgers put up a hell of a postseason fight, and while we were still in it against the Braves 3-1 down, like I said, but we, we, we did everything we could to force a trip to Atlanta. We did get to Atlanta, but we were just exhausted. Our arms were so tired, we had to rely on bullpen starts, and I also can't help think that the series, the division series, the wildcard game even, and this championship series would have been really different if Clayton Kershaw was our guaranteed third starter, he of course blew out his elbow before the end of the season, and Max Munthity, who got injured on the last game of the season, had had a MVP season at first base, hitting the ball better than ever in his career, and he might have made the difference in what was a struggling Dodgers offense. But hey, that's baseball, right? So two last night and game one of the World Series. In Houston, fans are going wild all the way up until first pitch, but Minute Maid Stadium got pretty quiet only three pitches into the game when Braves leadoff hitter and DH Jorge Soler hit a homer into left field. Soler had tested positive for COVID-19, and he had missed the majority of the postseason, but he was cleared from COVID protocol for Game 6 against the Dodgers, but his presence was immediately felt back in the Braves lineup as he got them off to a dreamy start. The Braves really hit Framber Valdez last night, scoring in all three of the first innings. It's the first time in World Series history that a team has scored runs in every inning for the first three innings. Quite something. And this, I think, will be the key of the series. Both teams have great bats in their lineups who have the potential to change every game, every night. But I think it's going to come down to the pitching. And in that category, you do have to give the edge to the Braves. Also, when you think about the arms that the Braves have had to beat throughout the postseason, Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers, Bueller, Scherzer, Urias of the Dodgers, the Braves hit good pitching. And the Astros have been short of good pitching. The big reason they beat the Red Sox was because of their dominant lineup. They outhit them. And this Braves team will be tough to outhit as they've got plenty of fire in their offense. But the Braves also have the edge in the bullpen. Will Smith and AJ Minter have been super dominant all postseason. It was a great game in Houston last night. And what's always amazing about watching the World Series is the meaning and intensity behind every pitch, every hit, every play 
things that are routine in a regular season game, like tossing over the pitcher for the out at first, are done with a, an intensity that, that makes it have the potential of being anything but routine. Every play means something in the World Series. And I've said it many times in the last couple of weeks here on the podcast. There's nothing like postseason baseball. And in that same vein, there really is nothing like the intensity of a World Series. Two teams are competing in this series who have a lot to prove. The Braves were only a win away last year from a World Series, and they want to prove that they belong at the top of the MLB pyramid. And then on the other side, you've got the Astros, who want to prove that this is a generational team that can go out and win a World Series without the cloud of the 2017 cheating scandal over their heads. Going into Game 1 last night, I thought the Astros were going to just trounce on the Braves and out-hit them and ride their home crowd energy all the way to the finish. But that lead-off home run kind of put a fork in that plan, and... The Astros took a bit of a beating from the Braves last night. So as far as my prediction, before last night's game, my head was saying Astros, my heart was saying Braves, and after last night, that's all changed. I'm saying the Braves are going to win the World Series. There it is. I said it. Game two starts tonight on Fox, and it's going to be a great World Series between the Braves and the Astros. I hope you'll be watching. We will be covering it here on the All-American Brew Podcast. I also want to talk a bit about Premier League football. Quite a shock at Anfield, home of Liverpool over the weekend. It's one of the biggest matchups in English football. Manchester United versus Liverpool. And United have been a bit shaky in form going into this match. Nearly losing to the Italian side Atalanta in the Champions League. Some heroics from Cristiano Ronaldo at the end of that one. There's also been some shaky starts to the Premier League season. And the floodgates seem to open for Liverpool on Saturday, they scored five goals against Man U, 5-0 the result. It was 3-0 at the half, and Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knew he needed to shift something to change the potential outcome of this game. He brought Paul Pogba in at the start of the second half, and only 15 minutes later, Pogba was sent off with a red card. Liverpool puts another two goals in, 5-0 finish, and... It's almost customary in English football after a loss this bad from a team of this quality, the manager's future immediately comes into question. And let's talk a bit about the Manchester United manager. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a former Manchester United player. Back in 1996, he joined the club and they called him the baby-faced assassin. His biggest moment in a red shirt came in 1999 when he scored the winning goal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, securing the treble for Manchester that year. They won the Premier League, the FA Cup, and were crowned champions of Europe, winning the Champions League. And while this word gets thrown around a lot, you could very fairly say that Ole is a former club legend. After retiring as a player, Solskjaer worked as a coach for Manchester United. He went back to his home country of Norway to become a manager, helping his former team win the Norwegian title. And then in the UK, he managed Cardiff City, ultimately not to that great of success. The team was relegated in 2014. He went back to Norway, where he continued managing. And then late in 2018, Manchester United approached Solskjaer as the caretaker manager after firing head coach at the time, Jose Mourinho. Mourinho had a pretty rough time in Manchester. You only need to watch some of his press conferences to know that. And he was constantly defending himself and defending his ability. He was criticising the players and the front office for not giving them the kind of quality of players required for his tactics. He was airing out players in press conferences and, and players got really frustrated with Mourinho and 
the situation ultimately became untenable, which led to the firing of Jose. So in comes Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, this former Manchester guy, and he's kind, he's always smiling, he's got that baby face of his. And when he took over, the team began playing with a freedom and a joy that had been impossible to play with under Jose Mourinho. And the team was successful, so much so that Ole was given the managerial position full-time and was no longer referred to as the caretaker manager. I go over all of this because I think it clouds the picture of Man U that we see now. Ole has been in a tough position at the managerial spot since he started in 2018. And while in the last years he's been formally recognised as the manager, you can't help but think of how his term started and that there was a question as to whether or not he was going to ultimately be the right guy for the job. And while they did come in second last year in the Premier League, Ole has always had to deal with this question mark as to whether or not he's the right guy. So now to last weekend, a 5-0 blow from Arsenal, and the Manchester owners come out and say that they're not planning on letting Ole go, that he's still their guy. But there's no doubt that the team is in a really tough spot. In the summer, they go out and spend a ton of money getting Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane. They've now brought back Cristiano Ronaldo. But there are still massive doubts about the club. Certainly worth keeping an eye on the front office to see if there's a change of heart. Man U face Tottenham on Saturday. Tottenham are a struggling side that Man U expect to get all three points from. They've also got a manager in Nuno Sanchez whose job is also potentially in flux. So if Man U don't win on Saturday, I think Ole might have some trouble on his hands. The other story from the Premier League I want to talk about is regarding Chelsea. The Carabao Cup fixtures took place yesterday and Chelsea were able to beat Southampton in a dramatic penalty shootout. Chelsea are powering through on their season without their strikers Timo Werner, and Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku arrived back at Chelsea this summer and had a great start to his season. And with this kind of acquisition, it kind of forces the hand of Thomas Tuchel. There's no real ways to play Lukaku except as your main target and sole striker. But now that he's injured, it becomes very apparent that there is a lack of depth for Chelsea at the top of the pitch, which I find really ironic. (laughs) We've had this problem with Chelsea for many years now where we've committed to a striker and then he's just not been the guy. You can look at how we dealt with the Morata situation, how we dealt with the Higuain situation. We've had a consistent reliable backup in Michi Batshuayi who we've sent out on many a loan deal. We had Olivier Giroud on our team who deserved to be a starter. We never really gave him the full-time role. We also had another reliable potential backup in Tammy Abraham but Tammy was too good to be backup so we've sold him to Roma. And it's with that thought that now we've got one of the best strikers in the game in Romelu. And if we have to take him out, we've got one of the fastest strikers in the game in Timo Werner to back him up. But now both of those options have injuries, forcing some of our wingers and attacking midfielders to have to fill the spots at the top of the pitch. Goals, however, haven't been a problem for Chelsea since Lukaku and Werner have been injured. They got the better of Brentford with one goal from the defender Ben Chilwell. That was a 1-0 game that was quite tight. Brentford are playing amazing this season, definitely a team to keep an eye on. They won 4-0 in the Champions League against Malmo. Defenders Christensen, midfielders Jorginho and Havertz were the scorers in that match. And then it was a wild one over the weekend. 7-0 the scoreline over Norwich City. Mason Mount had a hat-trick, the attacking midfielder. And while these are all opponents that Chelsea should beat, it says something that they have been continually able to do so without a conventional striker. It wasn't until yesterday's game against Southampton where... Goals seem to be a question mark. We could have definitely used Romelu to put a couple in the back of the net to not have to go to penalties in that match. 
what Chelsea do need to look out for are the times that they're going to go up against a world-class defence. And when you look at their schedule, the first match that jumps out is Leicester and Juventus, but those both come at the end of November. And chances are there's we might have one or both of them back by then. So just need to get through Malmo, Burnley and Newcastle. Chelsea currently sit top of the Premier League table with Liverpool, Manchester City and West Ham behind them making up the top four. It continues to be a great Premier League season and I will continue to keep you updated here on the All-American Brit podcast presented by Bet Online. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter and keep listening here on the All-American Brit podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. As always, I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.